I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. You're like, Maya, uh, this is false advertising. I thought this was a true crime podcast, not a fake crime podcast. Think about this for a second, though. It's only fake crime if you are a muggle. Yes. If you have identified the spotterhead for many years, God, if I swear to God, if I ever have a meltdown during this episode. Hey, this has been the preps for months. Okay, that kind of relieves your expectations. As in, it's been in my head to do for months. I only took a couple of days to prep it, but listen, this episode will change your life and maybe perspective. Because we are covering Lord Voldemort, the, the motive style. You discover everything, you go through the back, like, <sighs> the excitement is real. This was a pretty shitty year already, so I thought, what better way to send it off to the Neverland? <laughs> is it Neverland like Peter Pan's? Okay, Neverland in my head is like never coming back land, okay? So what better way to send it off than <laughs> for all the Potterheads to rejoice and listen to me? cover Lord Voldemort the motive style, from the discovery to the aftermath, to the background, and then obviously to the motives, like, duh, that's like the whole core of the podcast. It's 52 episodes. Do you even understand? That's over 52 hours. Wow, legitness. That's, yes, definitely over 52 hours of my voice out there in the Ethereum. Okay, I'm not high, listen. <laughs> I'm not high enough to continue that sentence. And stick around if for nothing else, if the true crime, fake crime aspect of it doesn't interest you, stick around because I'm going to be trying the stuff that's in the background here in the videos of the Harry Potter snacks afterwards. You can see some people just skipping through to the end. And for you, you truly, truly consider, are you, are you a muggle? Just, just consider for a second. On Halloween 1981, James and Lily Potter were killed by the Dark Lord. This significantly weakened him, but it will be another 17 years for their killer to get the justice he deserves. This is the story of Lord Voldemort. I might break into laughter at some points because I'm trying to tell you a serious story and explain it in muggle-like terms, you could say. <laughs> but hey, we're all here for it. You clicked on the link, you know what it's, it's in, you know what you're in here for. So you're starting with the discovery and that Halloween night. But what you need to know is that approximately a week before that attack, Dumbledore was the one that suggested that Potters use the Fidelius charm to protect their hiding place, to protect, uh, to protect the Godric Hollow where they were hiding at the time. Disclaimer, this episode contains spoilers. Like, I summarize about seven books in one episode and also, like, everything else that, yeah, happens, like, their background and stuff from, like, other books as well. So, yeah, uh, spoiler alert. Don't listen to this if you have no idea who Harry Potter is, okay? If you don't, like, what was your life? Okay, stop it. 
And the Fidelia's charm secret keeper was initially supposed to be Sirius Black, who was their godfather at the wedding, and then was James's best friend. However, Sirius, which he will regret later, as we know, persuaded the Potters to use Peter Pettigrew instead. Just a note on Peter Pettigrew, best casting to date. I have no idea how they found that guy. <laughs> I was just like, you know, out of all of the characters that I didn't watch movies until I was like 16, 17, because I couldn't deal with what I had represented in my head. Out of all of them, Hermione didn't disappoint me in terms of like the looks. I identified like heavily with Hermione as well. But Peter Pettigrew was the one that they, they just nailed to a T. Dumbledore is like, there were a lot of characters that was like, okay, cool, I can picture this. But then... Yeah, Peter <laughs> Pettigrew was like, okay, yeah, I imagine this rat-like creature to look exactly like that. And unfortunately, Pettigrew was, well, a spy, a traitor, whatever you call him, servant of Lord Voldemort, and he betrayed their hiding place to them. So on 31st of October 1981, Voldemort entered their hiding place, this cottage they were hiding at. And James told Lily to take their toddler Harry and leave while he tried to hold him off. But both Lily and Harry, I don't know, maybe she was putting him to bed, whatever was happening, they never explained that, weren't, didn't have a wand. Well, Harry was a toddler, so it's not like he could have done shit, but Lily could, so she was wandless. Obviously, that left them without the ability to defend themselves. Once he trapped the mother and the son in Harry's nursery, he honored, tried to honor, <laughs> I mean, did he really try? He tried to honor Snape's last request, and several Snape obviously requested him to spare Lily, spare Lily's life, because he was desperately in love with her. Love how we all turned around in the end, and we were like, okay, Snape was not a bad guy all this time. We, we accept that, we love it. Alan Rickman is still one of the best fucking actors on that place, like, on that show. And we have this dialogue where she was saying, not Harry, not Harry, please not Harry. And Voldemort said, stand aside, you silly girl, I'll stand aside now. It's always, it isn't past me how often Voldemort says silly, like he's a freaking five-year-old. And she offered, not Harry, please no, take me, kill me instead. Not Harry, please, have mercy, have mercy. And you hear him laugh and Lily scream. And, well, next you know, she's dead. <laughs> But, as I put here, Lily was no bitch, so she refused to stop shielding her son, so Voldemort obviously attacked her and murdered her. And now, it's only him and this little baby, Harry. However, as we know, the spell didn't do so much to Harry as leaving the lightning bowl-shaped scar on his forehead, and the curse rebounded upon the wizard, who has been hiding ever since. Nobody knows how he even managed to leave the scene. But now Dumbledore, because he left the spell onto the house, so he immediately knew like that there were curses being thrown. So he dispatches Hagrid to rescue Harry. And because love was so powerful, the rebounded curse destroyed the Dark Lord's body and temporarily defeated him. What we will only find out in like the book, I think it's in the end of book 5 or the beginning of book 6, is that, well, his fate is kind of sealed. Like, one of them must die for the other one to live, or so they thought before introducing Horcruxes. Kind of think like a lot of things were written just on a whim now, reflecting on it from this point. But Lisa, I'm not gonna destroy it for you. You. I guess Horcruxes were in a plan 
but from this point of view, taking a look at it, it was more diary in the second year. So I don't know, did she plan it that way? Or did J.K. Rowling only introduce it in like the book six? And she's like, oh, well, who already had like a diary thrown in there? It's like, might as well continue. There was this ring plot, so might as well use that as a horcrux. Cool. Well, yeah, he didn't know on that night and he'll take <laughs> about next like 15 years to learn that, yeah, his fate has been sealed. After the Dark Lord murdered James and Lily Potter in this house in Godrave's Hollow, three people came to the house. One of them was Hagrid and he took baby Harry's at Dumbledore's orders. The other one, as we know, was Sirius Black, so he checked immediately after he found out that Peter Pettigrew disappeared from his house. He previously arranged with James and Lily to check on Peter that Wednesday. So he immediately got worried when he realized Pettigrew wasn't at his house, and he took his motorcycle to the house in Godric's Hollow, and he was obviously distraught, like, saw this destruction and death, and then he saw Hagrid, and he decided to, like, lend him the motorcycle, basically, to take Harry. And he said that he won't need it anymore. And only according to the interview with J.K. Rowling, we know that Peter Pettigrew was the one to retrieve the Dark Lord's wand. So there's a couple of things that are like unanswered, and I'll go into them next. But we pick up next at Priver Drive with the boy who lived chapter, chapter one of the book one on Tuesday, November 1st, 1981 where, you know, you see Minerva, like, monitoring the house for, like, a good-ass day, and then you see Hagrid coming, and it's like, oh, you can't believe you're leaving it, leaving Harry with, like, these people. However, there's obviously a couple of things that we never learned the answers to, like, where did Voldemort go? How did he even disappear? Like, what sort of slush was he in? Because <laughs> as we know, even after, 11 years after that, he was literally living in somebody else's head. So he must have been like, slush. Wow, that's one way to describe it, yeah. Also, James and Lily once were never found. Apparently, Peter Pettigrew found Voldemort and then like brought it back to him at some point in life. But yeah, James and Lily were never found. We also never found, like, what really happened to their bodies, either. as in from the scene of the crime, you know, thinking about, like, this being an actual crime and, you know, processing the scene, boring them, all of that, no. But most importantly, there's a whole ass map for this. There are at least 12 hours that were unaccounted for since the moment that Hagrid took Harry to the moment that he actually handed it to Dumbledore, who put it who put him on the doorstep of Private Drive. And there is this whole blog, listen, I went down some deep roots. But yeah, there's HP Lexicon, I think that's the, the website, which was, like, super useful if you ever researched this for, you know, your fake crime podcast. Cool. <laughs> so lucky, I want a fake crime podcast. Okay. And they say that, personally, they think the most logical place for Hagrid, place for Hagrid to go for that day would be the Burrow, which was relatively nearby. As you can see, everything is like a real place on this map. So there's a Godric Solo, then there's a Boro, then there's Bristol, and then like Little Winging, yeah. Also, he was on a motorcycle. We don't know the speed. We don't know how fast he would have to ride. Weasleys weren't part of the plan then, so, I mean, I don't think like Hagrid had any connection for him to be at a Boro like back then. But sure, listen, I'm not going to spite anybody. There's a cool map to show the logic of it. So, you know, who am I to spite this? Another thing we don't really know is how the funerals have been arranged. But apparently, I think this was again from another interview, was that Petunia, Lily's sister, arranged Lily and James's funeral because 
she because James had no family left. And as we learn, Sirius had to flee and then landed himself in Azkaban, unfortunately. I watched a TikTok yesterday. It was so dumb. This was this girl with a pet. <laughs> She's like, hey, demonstrate that you are a Potterhead without like making any effort or some shit like that. And then she turned to her dog and said Azkaban and the dog went into the cage. And I was like, no, just no. Just this is animal cruelty, okay? This is where I'm pushing it. So right after that scene, Sirius confronted Pettigrew, and that same day, he found Peter Pettigrew in some area in the city, nobody knows where. But according to Sirius, Peter obviously tried to defend himself, and yelled that Sirius was the one who betrayed everybody. So Sirius tried to curse him, but instead he killed about 20 people. And we know that the biggest part that was found of Pettigrew was his finger. So obviously that was enough for people. That was like, hey, it's evidence, you know, it's DNA. He must have killed him and then somehow made him also disappear in death. So that landed him in Azkaban. While Fudge was there, like, obliviate everybody. Was obliviate the one where... I think it is, the one where he repairs the memories, or is that a different spell? This is when you find out that I failed at Harry Potter school, yes. <laughs> and what we'll learn in the future as well is that while this didn't make him the actual Horcrux, Harry functions very much as if he was one. So, you know, he had the visions of the Dark Lord, and Dark Lord kind of honed on on it and used it to manipulate him causing the deaths of plenty of people that we loved and cherished. And then it came as a surprise to everybody. J.K. Rowling's tweets apparently came as a surprise to everybody this year. You're like, she killed all of your favorite characters. <laughs> like, she really didn't have to kill, like, literally every single person you were ever attached to. Like, again, spoiler alert, no need to say it, but the most painful one? Dobby to a certain degree, but the twin. The twin was the one that got me. I was like, this bitch this bitch. Just, just no. Don't fucking go for the Weasleys, man. What the fuck? She is marrying into the family. Like, what? nothing is sacred to you. So now going on to the aftermath, obviously I'm not gonna go into, like, everything that Harry went through. Like, you can read the books, but I'm gonna summarize about the important things that matter to the story in about one paragraph. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a challenge! So yes, this is six books before we get to the Horcruxes, because that's how long it took. So this is six books, okay, in one paragraph. Let's do it. Even before his encounter with Hogwarts and the magical world, and knowing that he has been accepted to the School of Magic, Harry realized he had the power to speak to snakes, that would later be described as the connection to the Dark Lord. At Ollivanders, we find out about the connection between the two wands. But, <laughs> but the old fuck doesn't elaborate more on the priori incantatum. In fact, we need to wait for like seven years to find out about the wands and how they were connected. Because he's like, whoa, there has only been one wand with this like phoenix feather. And it's like, elaborate, bitch. Like, why does nobody tell you shit in time? If Harry Potter taught you anything, it is tell people what you're up to. Tell them everything. Don't like hide secrets for like seven years be like ah oh, this is an old man's mistake we know Dumbledore like he waited for like how many years what the fuck then in the first year he's introduced to the mirror of the Erised I always thought this was pronounced Erise because like they Erise nah, it's fine <sighs> and I put this in Muggle world would have been considered hallucinations but we are not Muggles he also realized Lord Voldemort was gaining power. He comes face to face with the manifestation of young Tom Riddle in the second year, 
and by stabbing the diary, kills part of his soul. Then him and his friends learn Sirius Black is innocent and Peter Pettigrew was a traitor and manage to save him from going back to prison. Voldemort uses his most loyal Death Eater, Crouch, as a spy at Hogwarts to add the port key as the cup challenge for Harry to be transported to him, and he is reborn again once he takes some of Harry's blood. The longest sentence ever read. Dumbledore's army is created as the Order of the Phoenix once was to train wizards to be able to rebel against the Dark Lord. Dumbledore managed to destroy one of the Horcruxes, that was Marvolo's old ring. Dumbledore is killed by Snape in order for Snape to cover for Draco, who then who was tasked with killing Dumbledore and for him not to be seen as a spy. Snape is then killed by Voldemort in order for him to get the wand that killed Dumbledore, because he thought this wand will finally bring him the power to destroy Harry Potter. After this, the trio gets into hunting horcruxes. I didn't say it was gonna be a short paragraph, okay? I can't summarize six books in like two lines. Then we go on to the one book that apparently was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be enough to focus on destroying all the the horcruxes because, hey, ring and the diary were already destroyed, so we just move on. Once they're rogue and they're in this tent in the middle of nowhere, after rescuing Harry and the Sword of Gryffindor from this icy pool in this forest, Ron uses the sword to destroy the locket horcrux which again was possessing all of them because dark magic does such things (laughs) so we witnessed ron having like hallucinations of harry and hermione like making out and then he kind of gets to the grips of himself and like stabs the locket and destroys him (laughs) and they're like none the wiser they have no idea what just happened it's just the hormones. Just release them. Release them in the Harry Potter world. <laughs> so I'm not complaining about that part. I'm glad that, you know, Harry Potter world wasn't like Twilight, okay? I'm very glad that she kept it PG. But definitely when you read them as grown-ups and you have kind of seen the world from like different perspectives and you have seen like how people portray like love and pathways in different rom-coms and shit, you kind of see it like, oh, wait, now you look at like every interaction between Harry and Ginny differently like oh this this must have been a clue where she probably just thought is it like the book six she's like yeah this, the two of them end up together hey <laughs> it is truly analyzing Harry Potter world after you have read it so many times it's truly when the professors in school they're like what did what did the writer want to say here what did they want to say with this poem and you're like literally like what's written on the paper <laughs> they were not that deep but sure yeah let's analyze what could have been what they wanted to say although they never said that this is it then they continue to get the Hufflepuff cup from the Lestrange vault in Gringotts. Then we have, during the Battle of Hogwarts, a couple of them just get destroyed like very last minute, like the diadem that was destroyed in the Fiend Fire. I love how she killed like some mean characters and then she had to like kill, what was it, Crab or Goyle or both of them, I don't really remember, in that fire in the Room of Requirement. But like she killed so many people that were from the Order of the Phoenix. It's like, really? Really? This is it? nothing nobody wins there's no justice in the world this is how we're ending this is the note we're ending this year on even in the harry potter world and we have the piece of harry's soul that was well partially horcrux destroyed when voldemort hurls the killing curse at harry 
Because now most of his Horcruxes at this point were eliminated because we never should forget about Nagini. And if somebody was to just destroy Nagini, that would eliminate immortability as an option for the Dark Lord. So luckily, Hagrid brings Harry Potter because Lord Voldemort had to gloat. Had to be like, well, look at your brave soldier, la-da-da, Hogwarts is mine, la-da-da. So he had to gloat. And then, like, Hagrid puts him on the ground, and then Neville, Neville comes there being pissed with a Gryffindor sword and cuts off Nagini's head. Neville was truly, truly who I would have fancied. Like, he would have truly been, you know, my Harry Potter boyfriend. I would have been Luna Lovegood, and you would have been my Neville Longbottom. <laughs> Just a most ridiculous last name. I never understood it. It's like, sure. This is sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's give the person that is most bullied the most bully-like last name. And everything ends in the climactic final showdown between the side of the good and the side of the evil in the Battle of Hogwarts. And Hogwarts Castle was damaged in this battle. 50 people died defending it, which I never counted because I'm heartbroken and devastated. But that included Fred Weasley, Tonks, Lupin, and Colin Creevy. Out of all people, like, it's just so irrelevant. So, like, why? Why? And the Death Eaters used giants, dementors, and acromantulas to fight for them, while defenders of Hogwarts included centaurs, house elves, students and their parents, shopkeepers from Hogsmeade, enchanted armor and statues, and desks, and many others. <laughs> Literally, like, well, we use what we have. <laughs> it's like this desk, and just attack. Fucking <laughs> the darkest of lords. The evenness that doesn't exist. And in the end, Voldemort was killed in the Great Hall when his killing curse rebounded and hit him. <laughs> to put Lord Voldemort dies by his own curse backfiring. Lol, it was all that easy. <laughs> if we had only knew that he just needed the right one and the curse to backfire, it, it would have all been sorted a lot sooner. But now let's go into the background and let's describe the mystery of the ones. How did it come to this? Like, well, how did Voldemort come to this? And why was he killed by the rebounding in this very anticlimactic thing after seven books, you must admit? One that managed to kill him was like Draco's one in Harry's hands. Mm, what was that all about? Here we start off with Lord Voldemort and then we're gonna go into James and Lily Potter's backgrounds. But... To start with Voldemort, we have to start with his mom and his ancestors. So we start with Merope, which is just the ugliest name in this whole book. Like, really, Merope was the name that you have chosen for a witch. Great. So her brother Morphin disapproved of the sister's affection for Tom because, well, Tom was just this muggle-born, like, passing by, and Merope was like, wow, enchanted. But she was technically just bullied and lived in this horrendous freaking household of just bullies, really. So Morphin, her brother, would just hex Tom when he would ride by, covering him in hives. So he was like, and she then would be like, oh my god, he was never gonna pass by. And Marwala, who was the grandpa there, who was just a toxic human being, would then be saying, like, how dare you being, like, in love with a muggle, we are pure bloods, it's all of that, yeah, just in concept, but yeah, it always comes from, from the parents. <laughs> but covering Tom in the hives actually was the breach of wizarding law, and the ensuing violence struggle with Ministry of Magic officials led to both her brother Morphine and the dead Marvolo being imprisoned in Azkaban. 
So now when she was left alone, she's like, whoa, I'm a girl. You know what girls like to do? Yeah, all of the things. So she made her move with Tom. And how she did it? Well, she kind of gave him love potion. And then at certain points, she was a couple of months pregnant. (laughs) And she decided, well, okay, I think it's enough. You know, like, I'll stop with the love potion. He would have probably fallen in love by now, or at least he will stay for a child. And of course, as soon as the enchantment was lifted, Tom was like, wow, you are really toxic. It really shows in your family. I'm out of this relationship. And from one such great relationship that started with a love potion, one Tom Marvola Riddle was born on the 31st of December 1926. (laughs) What an unfortunate day to be born. And even more unfortunate day to die because Merope died during giving birth, leaving this child to grow up in the orphanage. Next, we pick up once Dumbledore goes to visit Tom Riddle in the orphanage and tells him, hey, you know, you have special powers, and immediately he's like, whoa, trigger word, special powers, yes, I always knew it was special. And we soon realize in that memory from the pensive that Tom Riddle is most definitely a psychopath. During this visit, Dumbledore also finds out from the headmistress that Tom actually coerced two kids to follow him to this random case, and the headmistress said those kids were never the same again. So we find out a couple of things. First of all, he doesn't have any friends. Second of all, he is a psychopath, but he also doesn't want any friends. He wants followers. He wants somebody to obey him. Even how he spoke to Dumbledore, he would be like, okay, 11-year-old Tom, like, how about you chill? You take it down a notch. Like, I'm a fucking professor. Also, I will become the only person you will ever fear. But of course, that doesn't happen. He just speaks to Dumbledore like he's his bitch. Like, And most importantly, and this is why, this is true crime. You cannot convince me this is anything but true crime. You're a wizard. Everybody's a wizard, okay? If you have been waiting for somebody to tell you that for years, here it is. You're a wizard. Deal with it. You might have never gotten the letter. It was just lost in the post. It's cool. That is that he was keeping trophies. As we know, with true crime, with serial killers, they always get fascinated by keeping something that was over possession of somebody else. And well... What he didn't realize is that soon enough he will use trophies as his exploitation of dark magic, really. And just as Dumbledore is to leave, he tells him, well, he can also speak to snakes. And we know that parcel mouth kind of has to do with dark magic, although they're good parcel mouths too. And Rowling also, that is the J.K. Rowling, in the interviews stated that Voldemort's conception under the influence of a love potion symbolizes these coercive, coercive circumstances under which he was brought into the world. And that once he was to, well, find that out, that obviously he would then be like, well, I can coerce others as well, because look at that, my mother had the power, and my mother was a pureblind, she was all for that, and, you know, to my ancestors were all creepy bullies who were all about extermination of muggle-borns, so... Duh. So, during his years at school, he was kind of, you know, exhibiting all of this, but nothing really extreme. That is, until he met up with then head of Slytherin House, Slughorn, before his fifth year and asked him about Horcruxes. And as we know, Horcruxes can be anything, but it involves dark magic to create one. You need to kill a person to create a Horcrux and then 
you can place a part of your soul into a horcrux. And that's just a second, like, just for a second, let's just talk about this obsession with immortality, because I don't understand it. Do you? Do you understand? As somebody who, like, covers through crime and then, like, you know, is kind of obsessed with, like, different hostage situations, I'm like... I don't think I would want rather to be tortured for years. I'd be like, no, nah, let's have like a quick freaking death. Or just in general, you know. I don't see mortality as like a vision for myself. It's like more like, hey, short but fulfilled life, right? Like that that should be the dream. Also, if you think about Flamel or somebody, it's not like they stay 20 and then they're like immortal and like living. And, you know, they're 20 years of age when they and look it. But they're like a few hundred years. If it was, you know, a case of like Benjamin Button. <laughs> oh god, why did I just mention that? <laughs> that movie freaked me out on so many levels. But let's say it's like that. And then, you know, he reverses and he's younger. So he's younger as he's older. But he's also wiser. Maybe then I would understand it. I have only watched Benjamin Button like a month ago. And it freaked me the fuck out. Because I was like, okay, this is great as a concept. <laughs> but then... But then, at the first point where he was like an old man encountering a young girl, I was like, oh, no, 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 I don't like this anymore. I did not see this. I thought, this is weird. I didn't think that this was gonna go there. Oh, God. And then, like, it reverses. And he's a child, and she's old. And I was like, I cannot. This is making me jump out of my skin. Well, he didn't make all of them jump out of his skin. He was very... Wow, what a great segue. Yes, he just continued off from Benjamin Button to, to Voldemort. He continued using Horcruxes. He was like, I'm very happy to split my soul apart and to kill as many people as needed to do so. During one summer, he visits his gun uncle Morphin Gaunt and uses the magic to steal Marwolo's ring, so to steal his grandfather's ring, and frame Morphin for the murders of the muggles. So he had to kill muggles that lived at his old house in order to get the ring and, well, split his soul for the first time. So the next day, Morphin was taken to Azkaban. So we can see he didn't care that it was like, well, he, one of his only family members left and... Really, connection to the magical world? It's not even that he killed, like, you know, his dad's side of the family. Soon enough, he realizes that the school has its own secrets. And by secrets, I'm obviously talking about the full chamber of them. Because he's using parcel tongue, he manages to speak to the basilisk, get and open the chamber of secrets, and release the snake out of it. And during this process, Moaning Myrtle dies, and with her death, he converts his own diary into a horcrux. And obviously what happens here as well is that Hagrid gets blamed for it and gets expelled from school. Around 1944, so what, he was, I think, 18, right? He used his charisma, his, you know, charm, because, again, he is a psychopath. He just knows how to talk to people and do that empty talk. This is why I don't trust people. They're really comfortable with small talk. They're hiding shit. All right. So he convinces the ghost of the Ravenclaw house, Helena Ravenclaw, to reveal the secret hiding place of her mother's long-lost diadem. Something that, again, people don't focus on when talking about freaking Hogwarts is how easy... A couple of things. How easy it is just to think about his logic. Like, he was really not that smart. He was just like, okay, so there are four houses. All of them have, like, these, you know, special objects. So I'm gonna use those as trophies. Like, hair of Slytherin to, like, hair of this house. 
you're like, wow, it was really, so that's already four. So how many more are left? Oh, it's your diary. Okay, cool. And then it's, you know, something obviously had to be connected to your family. Oh, it's your grandfather's ring. Cool. And then it's obviously your pet because that pet follows you everywhere. Oh, we, we have it sorted. So it wasn't really all that hard. But hey, books had to be written. These papers had to be filled. Money had to be made. He finds out that, but then we don't, we don't really find out the place until he actually commits like two other murders, which was the one of Hepzibah Smith, and then he steals Hufflepuff's cup and Slytherin's locket. He murders Smith to in order to create the Horcrux out of a cup, and he murders this muggle tramp, apparently as he refers to it, to convert Slytherin's locket into one, and passes on parts of his soul to both of those objects. <laughs> then I put he disappears for years, has a plastic surgery, <laughs> because I'm a fucking child. But he disappears and goes all the way to Albania. Why does he go to Albania, you might ask? Well, Diadem, remember? Ravenclaw. He has to complete his missions. And that is apparently where Diadem was hidden. Why Albania was in every single one of these books, like as the place where dragons are... <laughs> you know, where Voldemort fingers high is in the mountains. It's like the smallest country. I have nothing against you. Okay, don't come for me. But it's just one of the smallest countries. You're like, okay, that was random as shit, but sure. So he kills this Albanian peasant in order to turn this diadem into a horcrux. We pick up after his actual education. I think it was said in the books he used to work for that dark magic shop just off the Diagon Alley. What was it called? Boarding Burks? Something, something along those lines. But then he returns to Hogwarts to ask for a defense gun. Defense against the dark arts job. He's like, listen, I have my CV. <laughs> it's like I have split my soul already this many times, and you don't know nothing about it. And that exactly is my CV, because I'm, because <laughs> I'm good at dark magic, and I'm also good at hiding it. So I'd be great for this. And like, yeah, sure. So he goes to apply for the defense of the dark arts, and this is his second time that he actually went. First time he asked just as he was leaving Hogwarts, and he asked Dippet, who was the headmaster at the time. This time he went to ask Dumbledore. And Dumbledore, in the explanation to Harry, said that this was probably for three reasons. All strong enough, some stronger than the others. One was that, well, Hogwarts was where he was always the happiest. It was his only home, his only place where he felt like himself. The second reason was that, well, Hogwarts would have been the place that still had all these unraveled magical places that he could technically exploit and create fuck knows however many Horcruxes from these special things that are related to magic, because that was a turn-on for him. He didn't say that in those exact words. Yeah, yeah no, please emphasize on that. Like, people must have fought it. But the third one is that he might have picked up from Slughorn this kind of preferential treatment in a way where he knew that he wasn't Slughorn's friend, but, you know, Slughorn kind of wanted him in his own club, and he saw that as maybe the path to, to follow to recruit his own army. But what will not come out of this job, obviously Dumbledore rejects him, but what will not come apparent until literally the very few last chapters, and I do not understand this, because it was so obvious throughout this whole thing. It's like, hey, you had Dumbledore's army, you used the room of requirement for like a whole ass year. 
No, that is not like where would Draco Malfoy find the subject? Where would people find the thing? Literally, the one room that like does the thing that is supposed to do for every single person that knows about it. What? So he uses the opportunity that he is now there to ask for this job to hide the diadem in the room of requirements. So one Horcrux is at Hogwarts, and that's why the whole Battle of Hogwarts happened. Well, that that he wanted to kill Harry, but you know, <laughs> sidelines. Now he announces that he requires the service of a house elf, and Regulus Black offers, who is one of the um, Death Eaters, offers Creature. Remember the good old house elf Creature? <laughs> the creature was such a character. Love him. So he was serving at the time as well at Grimold Place, and Voldemort takes Creature to the sea cave. Remember the cave? The good old, the good old cave. This is where I think we found probably one of the most disturbing things that this is these are the inferi, so like the corpses that he turned into an army and they were kind of like living submerged in the lake. That was so I found that to be like, okay, cool, she went dark. I like it. I respect it. And on this island where the cave is, he orders creature to drink the potion from the stone basin. And as we know, this kind of makes you go through this insufferable pain. So he is crying for help while Voldemort places the locket Horcrux in this basin and then refills it with potion and just leaves creature to die. Like, yeah, you served your purpose. I didn't suffer. You suffered. Goodbye. Then we pick up really in 1979 when Sibyl Trelawney made the prophecy to Albus Dumbledore about a child that is to be born in July of that year. And this was partially overheard by a Death Eater Severus Snape, remember him, who reports what he had heard to Voldemort. And obviously Voldemort couldn't have this. So we pick up on the death of Harry's in Godric's Hollow, where, well, he kind of was resorted to slush, as I said it, because we don't really know what he resorted to for like 11 years. And we pick up at the moment where Voldemort unsuccessfully tries to regain his resolved, his dissolved body by stealing the Philosopher's Stone. And he uses Professor Quiller because, again, he's just very used to, well, brainwashing people and having them under their spell and using them. And he is latching back onto his head. And uh, I think it's speculated, like, Quirrell was kind of taking a year off or something of teaching, and he was in Albania and met Voldemort, and then Voldemort was like, well, look at this, look at me, I'm slush, you want slush at the back of your head. But as we know, Harry manages to prevent Voldemort from stealing the stone. Then as he is growing more and more powerful, we have, we heard the, about the murder of Burton Jokins, when this is the actual murder when he, that he used to turn Nagini into a Horcrux as well. Because he knew Nagini was always going to be by his side, so, you know, as his faithful pet snake, which would make her harder to kill, even if all of these other Horcruxes were found by some chance. Then he learned that Barty Crouch, his most faithful Death Eater, had been smuggled out of Azkaban and was privately confined to his father's house. So with the help of another faithful little rat, Peter Pettigrew, Voldemort creates, well, we again don't really know, but it is kind of like a functional body that Peter has to like feed and... <laughs> do whatever because well we don't know because Frank apparently who was killed by Voldemort saw probably something that terrified him but at this point because we saw this from like Harry's vision slash dream he doesn't still know of the connection that him and Harry have and he isn't still using it against him 
but he uses Marty Crouch, who is drinking the polyjuice potion and has become turned into Medai Moody for the whole year to basically manipulate the Triwizard Tournament and to make sure that the that Harry makes it to the port key and is transported into the graveyard and is then faced by Voldemort. And this is when, by using Harry's blood, he regains power and is kind of like restored to his old self. And this is when it becomes dangerous and they need to find out about freaking Horcruxes or they stand no chance. But Harry is saved because of this phenomenon that is priori incantatem, and that is this ghost-like manifestations of all of the victims that Voldemort has previously killed. So it kind of shows you like who did he kill last and then goes into the backward sequence. Next we find out that he has moved in, moved back to his own house and killed this housekeeper that was still tending to the grounds. He engineered the plot to free Bellatrix Lestrange and other Death Eaters from Azkaban and then he goes, he, like the whole fucking book plots, <laughs> because that's how books work, they have to have like, you know, the actual plot twist at the end. The actual culmination. So the whole book is plotting, going and retrieving this prophecy because he doesn't actually know how it ends. He doesn't actually know what he has to do because Harry clearly fucking survived. So he plans the Department of Mysteries trip. During this trip to the Department of Mysteries, the Death Eaters are captured, everybody but Bellatrix. And Voldemort, well, basically duels with Dumbledore, but he tries to possess Harry so that Harry attacks Dumbledore as well, but he finds that he can't, <laughs> which is this freaking thing beautifully worded, this paragraph. Harry is too full of that which Voldemort finds incomprehensible and which he detests as weakness, love. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, Shakespeare. And then, again, underwhelmingly, he disseparates, leaving, well, Sirius dead, really, because Bellatrix just killed him, and asks to just grieve. And then Dumbledore sits Harry down and is like, well, this is an old man's mistake, I didn't tell you years ago. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe should have made, maybe should have fucking let me, like, be possessed by Voldemort for, like, a whole ass year. But then what story would I be telling you today? Truly, because this is fictional. <laughs> so it's not really like, you know, it would have definitely happened because it's in our heads. <laughs> we next learned that Voldemort kidnapped Ollivander again for him to have the most powerful wand and he killed Amelia Bones. And then there's also that scene that was truly made for the movie. I swear, because movies were at this time produced, but also, you know, to prove the point, where he killed the Muggle Studies teacher, just to make a point. If you go to, like, the studios in Leavesden, here in London, like, this is one of, like, the prevalent features that they showed you, and I was like, yeah, that's creepy, like, what the fuck? Why didn't you show me, like, how I worked, like, quite as well? But yeah, it is magical. You should definitely go. I want to go to the Orlando Harry Potter and the, the full-on world where, you know, you walk the diagonal and everything. That was... That's insane. Is it in Orlando? Yeah, I don't know. Somewhere in the US. Life. COVID. <laughs> COVID must pass. And I put at this point, you could say he's on a killing spree, like a Ted Bundy of a fake crime world. Yeah, you could say that, like he killed like how many people by now? You could truly say he's on a fucking killing spree, Maya, he literally killed and turned everybody into horcruxes, you freak. 
And in the main plot of the book, Voldemort's next step is to make the assault on Hogwarts happen and to kill Dumbledore. So this is accomplished by Draco Malfoy. Well, he accomplishes part of it, right? He was supposed to kill Dumbledore in the end, but he managed to transport the Death Eaters again through the room of fucking requirement and by these vanishing cabinets. But as we know, everything happens in this tower, Snape takes over and kills Dumbledore because this is something that has been agreed upon. And in the last book, well, we find out about all of these different... It's really like the dark magic world because Voldemort's reigning again and he is possessing people in the Ministry of Magic and keeping them under the Imperious curse. He's also establishing the police state where Muggleborns have been are being hunted down and arrested just for stealing magic stealing magic from the pure blood wizards. Wow. And here we see that Voldemort really realized, like, okay, so I kind of did avoid the priori incantatum thing by using somebody else's wand, but I still couldn't kill him. So I'm gonna look for this magical omnipotent wand, which was the Elder Wand. So he goes on a quest that takes him out of the country, and he goes to Gregorovich, which is another wand maker, where he kills him. Then he goes to another prison where Grindelwald is kept. But Grindelwald defies him, so the Dark Lord murders him with a killing curse. But hey, Grindelwald <laughs> wrote his own books and everything afterwards, because hey, he was alive, it was a prequel. Everybody needs a prequel, everybody needs to sell more books, come on. And he finally manages to locate the other one and steals it from Dumbledore's tomb, which was just like, whoa, disgrace on the next level. Because this just turned really dark. I don't know how you felt when reading Harry Potter books, but I truly loved like the first couple. And I was like, okay, I think it was fifth. Yeah, when everything was just like, whoa, teenage anxiety in full display. Yeah, it was the, the Umbridge one. I was like, I hate this book so much. Like, everything with just anxiety. Everybody's just bad. It's just like people being radical as fuck. And I was like, what the fuck? This is Harry Potter. I was like, oh, get me out of here. But I mean, I still loved it. But it was just like, whoa, this just turned grim. And then it just turned grimmer and grimmer because life. And because she killed a lot of people that we loved. <laughs> And the point of no return really comes once Voldemort, well, the point of no return was really in the past once he heard the prophecy. Yeah, that is truly the point of no return. But it truly comes to light once he realizes that they have been destroying his precious Horcruxes and he's like, no, 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 no. So this is when he offers the Hogwarts inhabitants to, well, give up Harry or just face him and everybody dark around him, like the, everybody that he deployed on his behalf. And this is when we find out why Snape had to die, and that is because he ordered Nagini to execute him, believing it would make him the true master of the Elder One, because Snape killed Dumbledore, and so he believed, hey... He killed him, so Dumbledore's Elder Wand is going to make me this omnipotent point. I mean, it's truly dumb. Truly dumb, truly underwhelming, this whole ending of it. And then when Harry finally walks into the Dark Forest, well, Voldemort strikes with his Elder Wand, but as we find out, he isn't killed. Narcissa, like, approaches him and kind of, like, mutters that, hey, Malfoy is still alive. So she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's dead, he's dead. Like, you know, just basically be like, oh my god, my son is still alive. I owe him. Ah, Narcissa is the true victim of it all. 
Especially with the hair that they have given her in the movies. Like, what is this hair? And this also means that his use of Harry's blood well, proved to be a setback, because while Harry's blood runs in Voldemort's veins, Harry cannot be killed, as his mother's protection lives on now in Voldemort too. And by killing the very last Horcrux in Harry, well, he eliminated one more option for his immortality. And then by allowing Hagrid to carry Harry to... The, the Hogwarts to basically be like, whoa, look at him, how weak he was. Well, he kind of encourages another battle, and where this is where Neville strikes and kills the last Horcrux that is Nagini. And this is when Harry reveals himself and kind of tells him, like, well, you were actually fucking dumb, because Draco is the true master of the Elder Wand, because he was the one that actually disarmed Dumbledore. So this was all a plot, because Snape had to kill him for you to fucking be a dumbass and believe that it was Snape. And then Snape just had to die as the ultimate sacrifice. He was like, oh, I don't believe it. it's Draco. It's like, yeah, Draco is like the only one that, you know, if he holds the elder one, he can actually kill me. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> what are you saying? So obviously he refuses to believe this and cast the killing curse will the elder one towards Harry. But Harry is now using Draco's wand to cast the disarming charm, so the elder one refuses to respect its own master because it's want the master, right? It's not a person master, it's like whoever is holding the wand. And then that disarming charm bounces back and the killing curse bounces back and it kills Voldemort. Have I made it any entertaining for you? No, because this was that underwhelming. Literally, so many people had to fucking die for this to be the end. It's okay, it's okay. It's still, is it a better ending than Lost? Lost was just lost for a couple of seasons, so we knew that the ending was not going to be like groundbreaking. Still, I'm lost. How are you comparing Lost to Harry Potter? What is your problem? So, he's finally dead. His body is laid to rest in a separate room from, like, all the people that he killed, which, like, duh, reasoning. <laughs> and I put, some would say, somewhat of an underwhelming ending. Yeah, this some would say. Now let's go into the background of his victims, James and Lily Potter. I love how literally the light came upon us as soon as we moved on from the topic of Voldemort. So, Lily, no, first is James. So, James Potter was born on 27th of March, 1960. I guess there must be somebody, there must be like Zodiac Potterheads. Instead <laughs> of just like putting that, you know, putting those dates, like prognostically, like profiling, was J.K. Rowling to profile James the way that he was portrayed in the books and then the same with Lily. And to you, I say, how can I have the amount of time on my hands? Please, somebody teach me in your New Year's. If you actually do this, just email me. Just tell me your life schedule and how I can make mine to have as much time as yours does. And she was 21 when she died, so that means, like, that she married James super young. <laughs> they put the married so young, my grandma would be so proud of them. Yeah, my grandma would be super proud of the fictional world. <laughs> I mean, she does watch telenovelas still. Well, now the Turkish novellas, but sure. <sighs> My grandma, I don't know if I ever told this story on the podcast, but she used to believe that that was portrayal of real life. I don't know if you have ever watched a Spanish telenovela, but <laughs> it's just, I don't know even who broke it to her. Somebody was like, no, that's that's all fiction. <laughs> None of that is real. And she was truly like... <laughs> pouring her heart out for a couple of years <laughs> like crying and be like oh my god how can life be so cruel and like it's clearly a drama man calm down but then again we potterheads believe in this world so hey 
And James was actually born in a wealthy, pure blood family. He had excellent relationship with his parents, who loved him very much. But we don't really know much about his parents. Also, we don't really know how they have really died from what... If, have I missed out on anything? Somebody tell me. Somebody definitely will. Because this will attract waterheads and it should. His father was sorted in Gryffindor. Well, this article says that they were on the older side when he was born. So they died even before he was murdered. Because obviously that it would be too too many things. There have been way too many families, way too many plots. You know, like Harry had to end up in Premier Drive with the Muggles. Had to end up in this miserable environment, right? Otherwise, it would have been a completely different story. Also, I have no idea, is this just fiction or somebody actually found out? Did you guys read any books? Like, well, these are ones in Serbian, but then these are the, like, you know, Cursed Child and Grindelwald and Crimes of Everything and, like, Quidditch for the Ages and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The actual book on, like, all the beasts. I don't know where you're getting this from, because I haven't found about found out about this, so tell me. But apparently his parents were called Flemont, and wife was called Euphemia. And Flemont was the accomplished yet retired cosmetic potioner and entrepreneur, best known for inventing sleek, easy hair potion in 1926. And because he was raised in this good household, they kind of pampered him. They spoiled him, which kind of turned him into a brat, as we will soon learn. Because once he was at Hogwarts, he was the accomplished Quidditch player, playing chaser for the Gryffindor team. He was great at dueling, charms, and potions, and he was the Animagus, which means he was really great at Transfiguration, but he was kind of also unregistered from what I remember as well. And what we know from his school is that at some point, Snape kind of grew interested in where his friend Remus was going every month. And as we know, Remus Lupin ended up being a werewolf. So, like, Sirius, James were covering for him, including Pettigrew in the end as well, hence why they trusted him. And on one such occasion, when Snape was spying on them, James actually saved his life. Well, technically, he saved him from Lupin, who turned into a werewolf, which obviously they will hold against each other forever and ever. And we also learned that James was kind of a brat. Well, not to the degree that Snape described him as, but he was very much looking to impress Lily at all points, including one such event where he, like, used the spell to flip Snape over and, like, expose his underwear and shit and, like, let him hang from the air. Which I just hated as a scene because I was like, oh, so that means he was a bully. So, like, why did this bitch marry him in the end? Lily could have done better, truly, honestly, because she was just defending Snape. And because Snape called her a muggle and, like, well, their friendship was fucked after that as well. So James truly destroyed lives, actually. <laughs> Again, something that I have no idea where people pull this shit out of, so tell me, what book have you guys read? Or did somebody just invent things on the internet? But at some point between 79 and 80, James's parents died of dragonpox. Smart, smart, I see what you did there. And also, I don't know why chickenpox is named chickenpox. Oh my god, that's another research for the podcast. <laughs> so he inherited the Potter family fortune, which enabled him and Lily, once he actually got to marry her, to live comfortably. Plus also, they were like, 2021. And he also used his wealth to support Remus Lupin, who couldn't find employment because he was a werewolf. It's like being a werewolf in this magical world is kind of like being disabled in, in the muggle world. It's just sad. Cool. Now on to Lily. Lily was born on 30th of January 1960. And she was born as the younger daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Evans and the younger sister of Petunia. 
<laughs> and I put so she so you know she was a favorite child because of her name compared to fucking Petunia. They were like, We love flowers. Your name is gonna be Petunia. Like out of all flowers, really bitch? Really? No, like dragon flop no no. It's like forget me not something. Rose <laughs> How about Rose? Rose is a pretty acceptable name. No, Petunia. And Severus Snape actually lived close to where they were living at that point, so he kind of introduced her since she was a child and told her that she's a witch. So it's like, yeah, I've seen you around, like, I can see you have, like, some magical abilities. But this caused a drift with her sister Petunia because she always thought of Snape as a really weirdo, as, like, a really weirdo one. I love how Snape was, young Snape was portrayed in the movies. That guy just, I don't know, that kid just nailed it. Lily attended Hogwarts School, which had wizardry between 71 and 78, and she was sorted into Gryffindor House and was also a member of the Slug Club, as the rest of the prominent, you know, people that will reach some status, as Slughorn intended, and hope so, so that then he can have connections. Slughorn was also a character. She was great at potions, charms, and dark arts. She was really great at summoning Patronus Charm. And Lily was revealed to have been proficient in transfiguration. When home from Hogwarts for the holidays, she turned teacups into rats. She also transfigured a lily petal into a fish, which Slughorn described as beautiful, magic, wondrous to behold. I guess this was from Slughorn, I don't really remember this particular paragraph, but sure. And in her fifth year, she actually stood up for her friends, Severus Snape, because they were friends from the childhood, and once when James Potter was bullying him, but when he caught her filthy mudblood, they, the two of them also drifted, and she stopped being friends with him. And then he was kind of begging her for forgiveness, but she realized that he is actually intending to join the Death Eaters, and she was like, yo, is this correct? And he didn't deny it, so she kind of realized, like, he might potentially be dangerous and also not know right from wrong, because he's technically joining a freaking cult. Let's just compare this to the Muggle world, because that was a cult. <laughs> I always found it disgusting, even when I first read the books, when I was, like, seven and above then, once Death Eaters were introduced. Like, how just worshipping and servant-like they were all to Voldemort. It's like Dark Lord, everything for you, Dark Lord. You're like, I wouldn't do this thing for a good dick. Like, you're doing it for the freaking man that's not giving you shit. It's treating you like shit. So, <laughs> the logic was always there somehow, somewhere, hidden. And this led to a parting because she realized he is also associating himself with the other aspiring Death Eaters that were Mulciber and Avery. I have never realized Mulciber was ever... Like, you hear about Avery, but you don't hear about Mulciber. Mulciber. And in her seventh year, she was made head girl and began dating James Potter. After Hogwarts, the two of them soon married... And along them, also Sirius, Remus, and Peter joined Order of the Phoenix during the First Wizarding War. So they defied Lord Voldemort actually three times. They lived on James's fortune, so they didn't really have to look for jobs. And this is when we catch up when Sibyl Trelawney makes this prophecy only, I think, a year. Yeah, only a year after their marriage, so once she was already pregnant with a son... And when Snape finds out about it, alerts Voldemort, but then regrets that he has done so, and then alerts Dumbledore, who then does everything to protect Lily. And then, as we know, once Lily is killed, Snape goes back to Dumbledore, and then Dumbledore makes him promise to at least protect the child, and 
well, to be spy for Voldemort and to be on their side. The ultimate sacrifice, really. The Snape, just the whole portrayal. Just everything hurts when it comes to, like, a lot of characters, but Snape in particular, because you just learned this about him once he was dead. You're like, fuck's sake. <laughs> Why are you like this? But yeah, ultimate plot twist. At least that's what I thought when I first read the books. Now I'm like, oh yeah, Snape, fuck it. <laughs> it hurt more when he died in real life. Like, that's what hurt more. And in July 1980, two children are born who would fit this prophecy criteria, Harry Potter and Neville Longbottom. Dumbledore knows that they are both in danger, but hesitates to act until he knows more about what Voldemort is going to do and which child he is going to choose. And this was truly the point of no return, because had Dumbledore acted before, maybe they would have been saved, had Sirius not trusted Peter Pettigrew, but they knew him from childhood, so again, we would have probably had a different story. Or, even worse, tragically, we might not have had Harry Potter to begin with. And how great. Just, I know I sound like a fucking brainwashed Potterhead. But yeah, that was that was my childhood, and it's still like a part of it where I just resort to temporarily when I need to, which is often this year. <laughs> As you can see, I'm doing it for a whole last episode. So what motivated Lord Voldemort? Well, he was a psychopath, <laughs> let's just say that. Even J.K. Rowling confirmed it in the interviews. And he was also obsessed with blood purity. So he wanted to read the wizarding world of muggles, heritage, and to conquer both worlds, muggle and wizarding, to achieve pure blood dominance. So it's those two combinations that truly made him a psychopath. I compared him to Hitler, but then I realized that it wasn't only me. Rowling complained he compared him to Hitler, but also to Joseph Stalin. And Alfonso Cuaron, who was the director of the Azkaban, so the third movie, compared him to George W. Bush and Saddam Hussein, whom he said have selfish interests and are very much in love with power. It's like, okay, Cuaron, okay. And it's truly with Voldemort about, like, was he born like that or did he grow up to be like that? And I think he was born, but then the environment where he was living didn't really enhance anything else. But truly with him, I definitely think, like, he was born, so it's more towards the psychopath side. And then he kind of exploited when he saw he could. And when he saw, like, he had different powers and then started exploiting his sadist intentions. And he has he has no conscience, feels no remorse of empathy, and does not recognize the worth and humanity of anybody except himself. And we know he didn't have any friends and couldn't understand the need for love, the need for like human relationships. Yeah, he never he never <laughs> laid wait. Did Lord Voldemort die a virgin? This is a whole new this is a whole new view. Yeah. Because he didn't have a girlfriend, like, he never experienced love, unless he, like, again, tortured somebody or just was with somebody, maybe Bellatrix. But wow! <laughs> so, I mean, even more pathetic, hey, if you didn't have that in your head, now you do. Now you do. Yeah, the darkest, the most powerful lord never got pussy. That's it. The prevalent display of this superiority, obviously, is visible because he refers to himself in the third person. He refers to himself as Lord Voldemort and then makes everybody else do the same. And Rowling in interviews, well, she first of all said that he was racist, but also 
<laughs> which I just find that yeah, any comments that she has made kind of disperse this year. People just don't take them to heart. And people just don't take her seriously. But she also explained this influence on the Mortensia or the love potion administered by the mother to Tom Riddle, so by Merope to Tom Riddle, that this related to his inability to understand love, and it's a symbolic way of showing that he came from a loveless union. But she does think that everything could have been changed in his life if Merope had survived and raised him herself and loved him, although I think like Merope had her priorities different from the get-go, so I don't think that Merope would have been like the sickest mother ever, also she would have probably had to resort to looking for help from, like, Morphine and uh, all of those people, like, in her life and Marvolo, and then he would have realized, like, oh, yo, this is a better influence, let me stay with them, and then he would have been even worse. Could he have been even worse? And she said that the enchantment under which he was conceived is important because it shows coercion, and there can't be many more prejudicial ways to enter the world than as a result of such a union. So basically, he was born that way. And because of the circumstances in which he was born, it just enhanced that that is who he became. That is it. I can't believe. Like, listen, fake cry podcast, you know, send your submissions, do it. That bam pod on socials or podbam at gmail.com. And yeah, let's let's make it. Let's add another podcast to the network. And it's a fake crime podcast. We can, you can analyze any episodes of like any TV shows. It can be like this episode from Criminal Minds, this episode from SVU, this one from CSI, Miniature Killer. Do it. And then like, you know, Twilight or whatever. Was Twilight about true crime? <laughs> no, it was about love. That's what truly Twilight was about. There wasn't Voldemort. <laughs> there weren't corpses fighting for him. But now let's eat some snacks. I'm gonna switch the mics so you're gonna hear a completely different sound. And then I'm gonna come back and goodbye later day this year. Later day this year, later day to a lot of things that happened. And end it on a fictional note because you need this world. You need to resort to it to truly say goodbye to it. And I was there for you, okay? We have the famous Harry Potter frog and it comes with a collectible wizard card inside. We have these jelly slugs and they should apparently come in five freaking tastes, which I'm excited even though I don't like jelly, but they come in weird shapes. And then the favorite, the favorite, the every flower beans. You remember? Remember how they all met, how it all connected, how it all began? The Bertie Bots. I really want to try all of them and test them all out, so this is going to be interesting. Let's start with the frog. Because, well, it's the most basic, it's just chocolate, right? It should only taste as chocolate, right? Although, you know, it's Harry Potter, so it could be magic. I don't like destroying it. Look at it, it's perfect, right? I'm showing food the way the makeup artists show makeup. It's like, well, do you see? Do you see? Is the light okay? <laughs> so, the moment of truth, which card I'm gonna get? Probably Dumbledore. Dumbledore is probably like the most common one. Did you ever like fill the albums with either like football players? I think mine was like Pokemon. That was super popular when I was a kid. Oh, hello, I got Godric Gryffindor. Okay, before we open the frog, let's see what it says on the back of the cards. If you see, it's Godric Gryffindor. One of the four famous founders of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Godric Gryffindor was the most accomplished dueler of all time, an enlightened fighter against muggle discrimination, and the first owner of the celebrated sorting hat. Oh man, I love this. I love this. Look at it. And then it's Godric. 
Okay, and now, and now for the snack, it's a whole ass chocolate frog. Look at the froggy. It has something, like, do you see it? You know, it's kind of like the bubbles on the side, so you know it's gonna be some good chocolates. Sick, sick, chalky. Mm. This is the good shit, I took it by the head. Let's leave this for later and then try another one. Slugs. We get the choice of juicy pear, sour cherry, tangerine, watermelon and banana. Look at them. And this is the flavors. This is the flavors. Open it! Having left the chocolate frog in the background, what was your favorite thing from like the first book or the movie of the introduction of the Wizarding World? I think mine will always be Diagon Alley. And then since going to the Harry Potter world in Leaves Den, I was just like, whoa, this was so well done on so many levels. Hogwarts Express is that for many. So let's try the green one first. What is it? Whoa, okay, okay, this is how it looks like close up. Which one is this? It's either pear. I think it's pear. <laughs> this light is actually preventing me to see the shade of green. Hmm. The flavor isn't really strong. Like, I don't know, I expected the flavor to be strong. So this is tangerine. The flavors are there, but like really mild. <laughs> It's a broken slug. Somebody broke a slug. As I was saying, for a lot of people... Ooh, the banana one is strong. Okay, let's find the head of it. Look, it's just broken. Hmm. <laughs> the banana one is the strongest one. Which ones have I not tasted them? This is like a lot of them are just broken. Why did you break it with a fucking transit? There's no magic. There's just no, like, listen. How do I believe in magic now? Yeah, for a lot of people, it is like the moment when he meets Ron and then Hermione and then like they practice magic and they try on the robes and like the trolley passes by and they try all of these snacks. So that's why I'm doing it. I'm putting myself mentally there. Mentally this year has always been there, okay? <laughs> Just like every day when I needed it, I was always there in that compartment. Hmm. So they put like one watermelon one here. Fuck's sake, come on. Look at it, it's a sluggy, it's a sluggy slug. It looks kind of like, you know, a chunkler. <laughs> What's the chunkler in English? <laughs> it looks like one of those beach sleepers. Chunkler's not a beach sleeper, but chunkler. <laughs> you know. And now, leaving the slugs behind. Great, definitely would recommend chocolate frog overdose though. I wanted the party bots, every flavor. Kind of scared, kind of excited. This box in itself is deserving of like some prize. Like just whoever designed that box. And do you remember the first Bertie Bots moment? Do you remember it? When like Ron tried it and he like said like, oh no, it can actually be any flavor. And then he like spit it out because he got earwax or something like that, right? <laughs> now, now is my time to, to shine and to show you how little I actually remember about the first movie and just the books. Look at that. It's like imprinted the making of Harry Potter. And then you open it, and then you get, okay, I think that's like the legend, so you get like a full-on box of this, because the kid, oh my god, there's so much of it, <laughs> literally, there's so much of this freaking colored candy. Now what did I drop? So this is a legend, this is telling me what flavor is what, no? Okay, yes. 
Okay, no, no, no. Okay, so yeah, this is giving me the legend. But I'm not gonna look at it. I'm gonna try and test my senses out and see if I can guess any of it. So let's just try random different colors in this box. Stand there like a guy. Look at it, it's so cute. Whoa, this is a cool ass color. It tasted caramelish to me. Let me see if I can figure it out. Well, judging from this, it's supposed to be tutti frutti, so I was definitely off. Okay, let's test this random pink one. Whoa, the colors of these are just so great. This is definitely some fruit. Strawberry? Strawberry. This is strawberry. This is strawberry. Candy floss. Close enough, it was sugar, my version is sugar. Ooh, green! Kind of scared because I know that there is a flavor of vomit, but imagine them actually packaging vomit. Could they do that legally? Probably not. People probably like call trading agencies here. Because we live in a muggle world, okay? Did I guess any of them? This one literally tastes like grass. Is it grass? Can they package grass? It's green apple. Wow. Well, I'm nailing you guys. I'm doing so well so far. Ooh, what is this one? Look at it. It looks like a cool stone from the beach. This is disgusting. Can they put meat in it? Wow, and then check the packaging like, is it vegan or shit? It's marshmallow. <laughs> but then, I don't think I have ever eaten marshmallow. Or maybe I have once tried it and I realized I don't like it, so literally failing on all fronts, so just justifying it for myself. Hey, this is a yellow one. Please don't be pee or something. <laughs> Where's the package pee? I don't like this one. Where is it? I think one, one, one way. Just nail one of them. Is this how I realize I have COVID? Because I can't... I feel the taste, but I can't identify them. God damn it. I'm gonna take another one of those yellow ones, because I couldn't figure out. It doesn't taste like anything I have tasted before. <laughs> it's sherbet lemon, like, so... How is it not anything you tasted before? Okay, so there is this one, which is like an egg, but it kind of looks like a dragon egg, to be honest. Yeah. Hmm. Did any of you... <laughs> this is disgusting. <laughs> Sorry. This tastes salty. It's rotten egg. <laughs> so how have they managed to put rotten egg? <laughs> One of them is gonna be vomit, guys. I'm gonna lose my shit. One of them is gonna be vomit. Because <laughs> if they manage to package rotten egg, God, my stomach is gonna do bits. <laughs> this is like feel your guts and spill your guts. Ooh, have I tried blue? I don't think I've tried this blue one yet, no? Has any of you resorted to the Harry Potter world this year? You know, just just me, you know? Just me, just re-reading, re-listening to all of the audiobooks, just to survive, yeah? Sure. <laughs> Do it. Place it. Very sugary, all of them are just sugary and sugar masks all the flavors. Blueberry, that would be too obvious, no? It's blue and the blueberry, really, bitch. Blueberry! Gods. Okay. Whoa, there's a super interesting one. So there's something blue, but then it's also kind of like a dragon's eggs. Okay, which one is your favorite book? If you all say Goblet of Fire, I'm feeling gonna be pissed off. Like, if all of you in the comments are like, well, Goblet of Fire. No. Why not? It's because as a premise, it was great. 
But then it didn't feel like she developed. Literally, if you think about the tasks, every single task is like one chapter. And you're like, okay, develop those tasks better. This is pepper. It's actually burning my tongue. <laughs> it's pepper. It's like pepper, yes, nailed it. Oh, this shit, I don't like the aftertaste of this black pepper thing. Let's try the dark green. Could be melon, like watermelon. Oh, it's green apple. <laughs> I tried it already. This is an interesting one. It's like orange again with like orangey stuff. Actually, <laughs> for every single one, you're like, oh, this is so interesting. It's like a dragon's egg. It's Harry Potter gonna save it. He's gonna save us all. <laughs> tangerine? Can you be tangerine? <laughs> According to this, it's either tutti frutti or it's dirt. <laughs> I don't think it's tangerine. I wanna taste dirt. I'm looking for dirt, everybody. It's literally like Potterheads out there looking for dirt. Can I try this one? I'm just gonna have a random okay. Well, because all my senses are now fucked. Have I missed out on something? There's a boogie. There's <laughs> a boogie. Which one is that? I'm gonna try it. <laughs> so I literally lost my fucking mind this year. Think is this? Like, do all of them come in every single package? That's what it doesn't say. It says apparently slightly flavors. I feel like I only tried like five. There is Bobby. There is Bobby. <laughs> there is earwax as well. I can't see those. Or I can't like this because of how sugary these things are. It's just like literally sugar masking the flavor. But there is boogie, there's earwax, there's vomit, there's soap. Oh my god, there's soap. <laughs> okay, I think I found soap. Let's see how soap tastes like. I don't feel sugar. Okay, you kind of feel like the bubbles. <laughs> Cinnamon, that would be a nice taste. Why do we not taste cinnamon? There's sausage. What the fuck? So yeah, pretty much haven't tried the grossest ones, which would make for a really good video. So hey, if I actually to locate them and feel anything but like sugary mast flavor in any of them, then I'll contact you. Did you just say you're gonna contact them? Yeah, I'll slide into your DMs personally, each and every one of you, okay? You keep making the world a better place, one motive at a time. Bye, fuckers, and happy new year! <laughs>